Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Curriculum. I'm your host, Caroline Pudner. Now, before we start today's podcast, I just wanted to mention that we are including a handy computing glossary of some of the trickier terminology in our latest edition of The Curriculum, which is our free magazine available to download from our website. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Richard Smith, who's an ICT and computing expert working in schools, helping them deliver their computing strand of the curriculum. Now, this podcast is absolutely perfect for anyone like me who is, quite frankly, a little daunted by anything to do with programming, coding and the like, but will also be useful for those who are more confident, as I'm sure Richard is going to be offering many top tips and ideas for teachers of all abilities and confidence levels in this subject. So firstly, welcome Richard to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me and I'm delighted to be here. Not at all. I'm really excited about it because as I've said in the introduction, I I left teaching a, a few years ago and actually it's very exciting what's happening in computing uh, and the computing curriculum, but I didn't really feel the benefit of that at the time and I certainly didn't cover it in my training and I'm, I'm sure I speak for many teachers listening so I'm thrilled to be talking about this with you. Now before I ask you about your work, uh, the work you do in schools, we should explain a bit about the context of this in terms of where computing comes in the primary curriculum. As we know the, that computers are part of our everyday life And nearly all of us use technology, some of which is absolutely essential to our lives. So I think we'd all agree that children, as the citizens of the future, need to be taught computing and have this sort of understanding of the digital world in order to equip them for their future lives and also future work. And the national curriculum in 2014 responded to this by including a statutory computing program of study. In fact, schools do have a duty now to offer a broad and balanced curriculum that prepares pupils to, quote, use computational thinking and creativity to understand and change the world. So it really is a very strong aim and a a very developing thread of, of the curriculum. So, I mean, we want to ensure that children are digitally literate And that being said, though, many schools and individual teachers have felt a little plunged into the deep end here, because I think for many, it is still a mysterious subject with quite unfamiliar language. And uh, in terms of teaching and learning, that's very important that teachers are equipped with this knowledge and understanding. And many, like myself, weren't taught this in our teaching practice, which may be 20 years ago or, or so on and so forth. So... My first question really for you, Richard, is, is this what you found when you've visited schools? Because I know you work with schools all the time. Is there a mixed picture in terms of teaching expertise? 
Yeah, there's a, a real mixed picture. I mean, one of the problems has been it was it was enforced on people, so it was it, it's it's been quite difficult. A lot of people were confident at teaching IT, like spreadsheets, yeah. PowerPoint, things like that, and then suddenly their head teachers or the local authority was suggesting that they teach coding. Um, so so it's been difficult. However, I'm really positive because lots of teachers have taken it on board and that they have got support and therefore they've moved forward. However, in answer to your question, it is still a mixed picture because it does depend on the head teacher's view about whether this is important. So, yes, it comes from the senior level, doesn't it? And I suppose what what support then they put in place for teachers. And also from, I'm sure some listeners will resonate with this, it depends on the culture in your school, whether you can speak up and say, look, I need loads of help on this or not. So it's that positive wanting to to get better at something, isn't it? That culture is very important in a school. Definitely. It does come from the head teachers and also from the governors. You know, I found Mm. in a number of schools, the governors have actually said to the senior leaders, well, actually, we need to think about doing computing coding because that's important for the future of the children. Yeah. And it's thinking about primary as just one part of a child's education. We've got to equip them in primary for their computing curriculum in secondary, which, as I know, as a, as a parent of a secondary age child, you know, she's doing quite a lot. It's quite intense. Mm. So, you know, it is important, isn't it? I mean, I, I've been lucky because I've started working in a, a, an infant school since mm. September, and that's really helped me to to look at the progression necessary from very young to secondary school children. Yeah. One thing that people do need to be aware of is that when the children go to secondary school, quite early on they're expected to do um, text-based coding. So a number of your listeners will be familiar with block-based coding, which is similar to where you've got Lego blocks that fit together mm. and you, you put those in the right order to make something happen. But then in secondary school, those blocks will be taken away and the children will have to type the text in. Oh, right. And if you make an error, then the program doesn't work. Okay, so yeah, you've got an overview really of, of the progression and it becomes more and more complex, doesn't it? But if you've got the groundwork in place, then that's obviously important. So yeah, primary level is, is crucial, isn't it, for getting those basics? Definitely. So you talked about going into schools, Richard. Just for our listeners, what, what is it? What's the service? Are you, you're a consultant, aren't you? So yeah, what I, used, do you do in I used to work for the local authority and then eight years ago I set myself up um, just on my own and I work in eight schools a week helping teachers and helping the children so I do one in the morning and then go to a different one in the afternoon where are you based in the country so, yeah Shropshire so I cover mm. Shropshire Telford and Rekin oh, okay um, but I also um, help with other local authorities as well yeah. where, where they might have a local advisor who sadly has lost their job and they just need some support so I help in other authorities. Mm, I think that's quite a void, isn't it? I know you can get information on the internet, but actually having someone in school is really appreciated, someone who can guide you because, you know, you're very busy as a teacher and a, and a senior leader. Sometimes you just need someone to give you a, a head start in it and to show you, I think, share information of what's out there. And, and the. I will get onto that in a minute, but it's thinking of what is the right software to use, what is the right way to deliver this curriculum. Um, You know, it's a very important service. And I'll put links, obviously, to Richard's consultancy and the training that he offers at the end of the, the podcast on our website. 
I mean, looking at the curriculum now, Richard, there are, in my point of view, there seems to be two main areas of the curriculum. There's the computer science, the theory almost, at how digital technology works, and then the practical experience that children need of programming, of of being the masters of it, if if you like. Is that how you see it? Is there, or are there more than that? There well, there, there are more. There's three strands. Okay. So for the benefit of our listeners, um, there there is the computer science, which is the coding. Yeah. Um, which a lot of people have sort of zoomed in on and and some people think that's all that the children have to do mm. but there's also the information technology which is the old stuff that we used to do that's still important yeah. i get people who get quite cross because the, the children aren't having to do excel anymore well that's wrong they, they still need to do spreadsheets they still need to do word processing they still need to do presentations they need to make videos they need to make little animations mm. and that's all included in the it strand mm. and then the third one is the digital literacy which includes all the important e-safety messages that we give out to schools yeah they're very important so there's actually quite a lot for schools to cover and i think if you you can teach this discreetly but what we do at cornerstones obviously is we involve the computing activities are relevant to another maybe another few subjects within a topic so you might be looking at debugging something but it's for a particular purpose or using information technology obviously to find out more about a project area and then presentational skills they're easier to do across the curriculum aren't they and and traditionally like you say that's how teachers have been using it but that area is changing and obviously the privacy the dangers of the internet that's all stuff that children need to know as well Mm, isn't it definitely i mean one of the the highlights of the term really was um, I was doing Alchemy Island oh, yeah. uh, in one of the schools and the children wanted to focus on technology. So we did a little adventure game using um, the block-based scratch program yeah. where they actually took their own pictures of of an island and then they they made themselves move around as a sprite on the island that's and incredible and that's how we got in contact with you isn't it so alchemy island is a one of our year five projects and i'm sure we can get some images of of that actually and share with you so you can see the work that richard's talking about looking at other issues other barriers really for teachers i think terminology is a massive one isn't it richard about the different language that we're using now debugging algorithms programming it's are you finding that teachers are struggling or some teachers are struggling with the terminology and finding that hard to teach certainly getting the terminology right is really key one thing i do is i give out posters for for the classroom and i try and support the children in understanding the key vocabulary which obviously has a the byproduct of helping the teachers so I think that's really important to to make sure that the children use the correct terminology when describing something, say on a a robot or a a computer, to make sure that they're accurate in what they're saying. Yeah, like other subjects as well, young, very young children can learn key words. We found that out, you know, years ago with literacy when we were teaching children to use the word ellipsis rather than dot, dot, dot. And it's the same with computing. In fact, I think we're, I'm going to ask Richard to, to write a glossary of terms and maybe we could put that with the podcast as a free download. So do have a look on the website for that. Now, that brings me on to thinking about teacher expertise because there is a huge push at the moment with 
curriculum. But as part of that, it's equipping teachers with the right curriculum subject expertise as well to deliver, even at a primary level. So obviously with computing, it's fine if you're already you know, quite savvy in that. But apart from consultants like yourself, what advice could you give to, to teachers in order to brush up on their computing subject knowledge? Where's a good place to start? Well, the government's realised there's a big void there, so they announced a, a big investment in the National Centre for Computer Education, and they're going to have 40 schools around the UK, which are going to be little hubs of excellence. Oh, right. So that will give your listeners the opportunity to find out where they are. There's lots of online courses. The issue with that is people are so busy. So what I tend to do is is just get them to work with their class on a particular project mm. and just be brave and sort of jump in. Perhaps look at a little video online linked to something like Scratch and then try it with the group. There's lots of support in terms of code clubs. So there's lots of clubs that can be set up free of charge in the school with business people coming in to run them. So that's really good. So you just search for Code Club. Yeah. I've seen all sorts, actually, on the internet, like Girls Who Code or Girls Can Code. I can't remember what it's called, but there's so many different organisations and groups. Wasn't there the banks as well were offering Yeah, Barclays have got Digital Eagles. So there Mm. are lots of of opportunities. And what's really good is that businesses now realise that if they want to be part of a community and be successful in that community, they need to get into schools and support what's going on. Yeah, and in fact, we've talked to other schools on here. Listeners might remember Adam from Farmerlo talking about how his school used community experts. It's It's a wonderful resource. And yes, if you're near businesses, and it's in the business's interest in the long term for children to know these things as well, isn't it? So yeah, that's a great tip. And, you know, if we do have any websites or information maybe we could put links to them as well but without the lea i suppose it's it is harder now to find a hub of uh, information isn't it but we'll work with you richard on on making sure our schools and on our social media that we're providing uh, information and tips yeah we can places. support people with that yeah brilliant so we've talked about the kind of the, the curriculum side of things now looking at the actual hardware that schools need because i know as a teacher we had uh, 30 laptops. Some of them might not be working. It was just it potentially a nightmare to actually get the right hardware. And obviously school budgets are tight. Have you got any tips for schools about where to start with? Do they need to get iPads for everyone? Do they need to you know, spend a fortune on their hardware? I mean, the issue we've got is that the money can just go. I mean, some schools spend ridiculous amounts on whiteboards or digital Mm. boards that then aren't used in the right way because they haven't had the training. So there's a couple of new things I would suggest. Certainly, from my experience, the iPads, though more expensive, tend to last longer and you can come up with something called mobile device management. So if you get a new app, you can roll it out to all the iPads. Also, Chromebooks are growing in um, popularity. So a Chromebook would be a a cheaper machine than a laptop. It only works on the internet. So therefore, you would just set up as a Google education school, which should be free of charge. So so those are a couple of solutions. Um, A lot of the schools I'm working in are thinking about leasing as opposed to buying. Right. Yeah, so you can actually 
basically rent equipment that's quite handy actually if you've only if you only need it for a certain period of time or even if you just want to try it and see as part of your curriculum development if it actually does support the children so so we've talked about hardware but what about software there is so much out there Richard there's apps galore games and other software what software would have you seen work particularly well in schools you know in terms of computing so in terms of uh, software, it's very exciting because there's a new version of Scratch um, that's come out in January and it's Scratch 3, so it works on all devices, including the iPad, because it's written in, in HTML rather than Flash. Other things that are exciting are that we've got lots of things like microbits that you can actually program on a computer and then you plug in and then you can make them do certain things. So last week I programmed a little times table game where you shook the microbit and then it gave you a calculation to complete and, and the children really love that. I saw that. You you showed our colleague a microbit for people listening. It's, it's like a little circuit board, isn't it? It's got 25 LEDs on, but it's also got some clever stuff on. So it's got an internal compass on, which is called a magnometer. Yeah. So it knows where north is. It can even send radio signals uh, to another microbit. So you can make... Um, a little car that you control with a second microbit. So lots and lots of stuff. Yeah. And we will we'll send some pictures out on social media. Yeah, that would be great, Richard. Because actually, going back to my hardware question, those little kits are, are important and they can be used. You can even, parents, if they want to, could even buy them and then the children can take them home. But yeah, they're, they're only £14, so it's, it's, yeah. it's quite affordable. Yeah, so you could just have a, a little set, couldn't you, for the school? Now, I suppose we touched on coding, and like you say, people talk about coding all the time, but there's another area that I'm really excited by. Again, don't have much experience in, but the children seem to be really excited by it, and that's robotics. Yeah. And obviously, for the long term, you're thinking of mechanizing for the future. A lot of our systems will be mechanized, but you'll need, obviously, going back to the coding thing, you need people designing programs to operate these robots but what have you seen in schools or or in robotics in general that's coming up there's three little robots i want to talk about so Mm -hmm. the first is called obot and it's like a robot head that you can program and the children really like that because it's you can make the eyes move left and right you can make it smile oh wow Um, and and that's really really good Mm -hmm. I also like the Vex robot, which which works like um, on a PlayStation um, control pad. So it's very controllable. And the nice thing about that is, is, is there are little competitions. And in fact, um, one of my schools got to the national finals and won a competition, won a, a prize at that. So that's really important, where the children are competing to try and get their robot to solve a problem so in this case it was lifting little boxes and stacking them yeah um lego have got involved they've got a a competition as well Mm -hmm. so if you just search for lego vex competition you'll find those the other robot i want to talk about which is my favorite at the moment it's called ozobot and it's 37 pounds and it follows a line on on paper um, so children are designing their own little zoos or their own little fun fairs. 
and it's it's good for cross curricular work so you can get the little robot to explore the fun fair. <gasps> oh, that sounds amazing. Or an Egyptian tomb or something, yes, couldn't you? I can certainly. see great possibilities with that. We'll put all the info on with this uh, podcast. So that is very exciting and it, and I think it really engages children because they it's it's quite creative, isn't it? The robotic, the world of robotics, Definitely. and it's also so key. I mean, mm. if you think of when you watch the news, they're saying, "Well, a number of people are losing their job because of this, because of mechanization." Well, if you, if you introduce mechanization, you're going to need somebody to program the production line. So, mm. so those sort of skills in terms of programming robots are going to be key. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'm. You've just mentioned about cross curricular. I'm really interested, obviously, working at Cornerstones about how individual subject skills and knowledge can be useful in other curriculum areas and. You know, computing is no exception. Obviously, there are discrete skills and knowledge that you need to teach children. But I can see, and I'm sure you've got an opinion on this, about that there are intrinsic skills that are transferable. And some of the ones I'm thinking of are logical thinking, thinking creatively, uh, working out sequences and patterns. Are there any other, are those, you know, I can see them being applied across the the curriculum really yeah those are all really good examples i do a lot on variables so imagine you've got a robot and you want to, it to repeat something eight times then the variables eight so then you might want to make it repeat something 12 times so that links with with science earlier on when we were talking you mentioned dnt so you could program a little micro bit to um, do a times table test and then you could say to the children, well, how could you display that? So it links with DT, so they'd have, have to produce a, a box. Um, yeah. So either from cardboard or they could mm. um, use a 3D printer to design a box. Fantastic, because um, really a lot of, uh, when you see, you go into an Apple store or, or other ones are available, obviously, you go in and you don't see the micro bits, you don't see all the messy stuff inside. It's very packaged and, and packaging and design are actually crucial, aren't they, for smooth operating of systems and also the aesthetic quality and the usability of it as well as a user. You need to have functionality so that that is a, a very strong crossover actually with design and something that children can again really enjoy can't they thinking about how they're going to create a, a product with a computing element to it yeah one of the things we're doing in some of the schools is trying to tie it all into financial education as well Ooh. we've got um, a little business going which is called fab finance and we're going to get eight schools to work together on a collaborative project so they're all going to make products and then they're going to display their products but also part of it will be how they deal with the money coming in so producing spreadsheets to do with sales revenue and profit fabulous yeah and that all goes back to the fact that teachers need to do all three strands so that's the information technology strand of the computing curriculum that's a fantastic example and one where yes it's it's like that that's our philosophy as well is the real life the real real skills for for life that you're going to need and if it hits all three that's that's fantastic I think as well, you know, even things like geography, using Google Maps, there's an awful lot actually of technology involved in other subject areas. It's not just about research on the internet, printing that off. 
And even that, looking at the internet, we know from here where we suggest websites, it's about teaching children to be tech savvy and aware of privacy, sharing information, internet safety. That's a huge area. Is it one that you cover when you yeah, go into school? It's really key. Mm. Um, and schools book me to do talks about e-safety. So schools can um, send staff to become CEOP ambassadors, which means that they're then trained up to, to deliver mm. sessions for parents oh, and governors. That's so fantastic. I, so I do a lot of those. And also something that's important to me is talking about copyright as well. So a good website for our listeners is called Creative Commons. Okay. So you can actually look on there and then people have said you can use their stuff. Yeah. So pictures, videos, uh, sound files. So that's really important to teach the children about copyright and Absolutely. copyright law. It's never been more relevant, actually, to equip children for their future, a digital future. It's becoming ever more digital, isn't it? With that is for teacher expertise to it to also increase. And obviously, if you're in a cluster of schools or a, an academy trust, you know, some of the, the software that Richard's mentioned or the hardware or the training you can obviously do as a whole cluster of schools. So you could maybe share equipment and and take it in turns it's however you want to do it but there are many value for money ways you can include this a very essential area of the curriculum so thank you so much Richard for joining me today it's my pleasure thank you you've demystified quite a bit and um, yeah I thought I hope you the listener have enjoyed our conversation too and Richard is going to be working with us at Cornerstones on our computing curriculum um, on some very exciting new projects and also making sure our content is always up to date so we're very excited to be working with Richard obviously you can also look at his website and if you want Richard to come into your school then all his details will be there so until next time don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next podcasts and goodbye from me thank you very much for listening